Get ready for a one-of-a-kind experience. Welcome, welcome to the Starter Zone, your home for the weekly news from around the world. Your host for this journey, Amanda. We got ourselves a wedding. She's going to bring you everything you need to hear about entertainment, gaming, and maybe just a little bit bizarre. Hold tight, because here she comes. Well, thank you, Raven, for that warm, warm welcome as always. Hello there, my friends, and good day to you all. Welcome to the Starter Zone. I am your guide, Amanda, and it is time to bring you the headlines from all of the entertainment news sources. Today is October the 27th, and let's take a look at some of the headlines we will be covering. We've got some new Rihanna news. Terrell Owens kind of got into a car accident of sorts. We got a TikToker that gets punished for a cancer scam. We have a wedding, some announcements from TwitchCon, an engagement, a restaurant scam, our box office breakdown, and more. Get comfy, everyone. Let's get started. everyone let's get started with the music news so the grammy award-winning r&b singer from barbados rihanna is a very busy lady these days since the release of her last album anti in 2016 rihanna has welcomed two children and became a billionaire thanks to her two other businesses Fenty Beauty and Savage X Fenty. But now the singer is finally going to give her fans what they've all been craving for for over half a decade. New music and concerts. This actually might be bigger than the NSYNC reunion, and that's saying a lot. Entertainment Tonight reported that Rihanna is planning to make her musical return next year and has a deal with Live Nation. The outlet learned that she's going to release a couple of new songs and is planning a world tour for 2024 and 2025 but the exact timeline is not specified yet but still the music's coming at long last right so rihanna spoke about the state of her music back in february a new album in 2023 was actually the original goal according to her interview with british vogue and then she and her partner rocky announced their second pregnancy which she actually revealed at the 2023 super bowl halftime show she said, quote, I want it to be this year. Like, honestly, it'd be ridiculous if it's not this year, but I just want to have fun. I just want to make music and make videos, unquote. Now, while Rihanna admitted that Anti was her most brilliant album to date, she did concede that its legacy and her perfectionist tendencies have been kind of getting in the way of her releasing some new work. I kind of know the feeling. She said also, quote, I realize that if I keep waiting until this feels right and perfect and better, maybe it's going to keep taking forever and maybe it'll never come out. And no, I'm not down to that. So I want to play. And by play, I mean, I have my ideas in my head, but I can't say them out loud yet, unquote. Well, as a fan, I know I can speak for a lot of us. We're really looking forward to your new releases. So the sooner, the better. But now let's take a look at some sports news. Quick little update from the world of baseball. The World Series is upon us. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks for making it in. Now, let's get a little crazier, shall we? Back on October the 16th, Terrell Owens, former NFL wide receiver, was playing, well, let's just say he was playing a friendly game of basketball in the Calabasas area where he apparently oh, got into an argument with someone else on the court. Okay, so maybe it wasn't so friendly. Law enforcement tells TMZ Sports, wait a second, why is law enforcement involved? Well, following the game, the man who was beefing with the NFL legend got into a car and drove the vehicle right into 
the former wide receiver's knee. Yes, I said that correctly. Tio almost got KO'd by a car. Well, thankfully, the cops say that Owens didn't require medical attention. They took a report for assault with a deadly weapon, though no arrests have been made. There is an investigation, and it's currently ongoing. Now, Owens, he's got kind of a history. He's been involved in similar, kind of similar bizarre incidents since he retired back in 2010. Back in 2022, he got into a really wild argument with a female neighbor that actually led to criminal charges for the woman. Then later that year, he got into a fist fight with a heckler outside of a CVS pharmacy. Poor Terrell just cannot catch a break, but he can catch some hands. I said, do you want to fight me? Do you want to catch his hands? And now also speaking of football, there's a popular talking point in football right now, specifically around the NFL, is the impact that officiating is having on games. There were a couple of critical calls recently between the Indianapolis Colts and the Cleveland Browns that may or may not have directly impacted the outcome. But this has really led many fans and players and analysts specifically alike to call for refs to be held accountable for mistakes and wrongdoing. Now, former Stanford and NFL star Richard Sherman even went as far as to say that it's ruining football due to the fact that it's impacting the outcomes of games way too much. And he was talking about this on the October 23rd episode of Undisputed. The officiating has fans again suspecting NFL's rigging the games. And there is a pretty easy solution at hand, but the NFL would just absolutely need to swallow its pride. And I just don't personally see that happening anytime soon, but I digress. On top of considering punishment for officials for pretty obvious errors, an even easier solution is just make every play reviewable. Now, obviously, no one wants to watch a replay fest, but fans that are similar to Sherman or have a you know, similar mindset also don't want to see a game determined by a poor call. We're kind of tired of it. Hey, what's safe? He never tagged him with the ball. You idiot. He was out when he ran out of the baseline. The baseline. All right, I've had enough. You're out of here. What do you mean? You can't throw enough far out of the game. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Well, the NFL has had this problem, honestly, for years, and a lot of sports really do, but they haven't shown any efforts to fix it aside from allowing pass interference calls to be challenged, which even before they quietly got rid of it, didn't help matters as calls were you know, still missed. However, with a pretty large outcry, the league may finally attempt to figure something out to not only appease the fans, but, you know, to better their own product in the future. And now, anybody up for some entertainment news? All right, we're going to start off with a story about Madison Russo. Russo is a 20-year-old TikTok influencer who was arrested back in February of 2023 and was charged with first-degree theft after she allegedly scammed $37,000 in donations from viewers on TikTok. To do so, she told users that she had stage 2 pancreatic cancer and acute lymphoblastic leukemia, and she used GoFundMe to collect the donations. But Madison never had pancreatic cancer, leukemia, nor the football-sized tumor wrapped around her spine that she claimed that she had in postings on TikTok, GoFundMe, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Over 400 people sent her donations. Madison ended up pleading guilty back in June to first-degree theft. Okay, take a deep breath here. Scamming people? Bad, bad, bad. It's wrong. But faking cancer to do it? That's low. That is low, Bender, even by your standards. My what? As part of the 10-year suspended sentence that was handed down, Madison was ordered to pay $39,000 in restitution and a $1,370 fine. If she stays out of trouble for three years of probation, she'll stay free. Scott County Judge John Tallene detailed that Madison Russo had admitted to using other patients' stories as her own, slamming her for engaging in the lengthy course of deceit. 
During the sentencing, the judge said, through this scheme, you deceived your friends, your family, your community, other cancer victims, charities, and strangers who were motivated by your supposedly tragic story to donate to help support you. The TikTokers, TikToker's sentence does include 100 hours of community service, and as of right now, her $39,000 fine has already been paid. Okay, so in short, she basically paid the amount that she got in donations. Would you know? Would be kind of nice if the victims refunded. But wait, good news update came out, and GoFundMe already took care of it. Refunds were already submitted to the donors. So how exactly did Madison get caught? Well, her scam kind of unraveled really when the medical professionals spotted discrepancies in her story while looking at her stories online, all her posts. I mean. She was very, quote, open about her diagnosis and such. And so she's posting pictures and everything else. Well, police ended up subpoenaing her medical records and found there was never a cancer diagnosis at all at any medical facility in the area. Many people are actually bothered by the fact that there is no jail time in this case, especially a lady by the name of Rhonda Miles. Rhonda runs a pancreatic cancer foundation in Nashville, Tennessee. She donated to Madison's account and ended up testifying at the hearing. Now, Madison also commented, and she did apologize during the sentencing, explaining why she decided to do this year-long scam in the first place. She said, quote, A lot of people have made speculation as to why I did this and how somebody who looked like they had everything together could have such a mess. I didn't do this for money or greed. I didn't do this for attention. I did this as an attempt to get my family back together. I fully acknowledge what I did was wrong, and I am incredibly, I am incredibly sorry. If there was anything I could do to take it back, I would. The reality is, I can't, unquote. Now, okay, she doesn't fully explain the whole fit about her, fit about her family. You know, how would this money bring them back together? So we really can only speculate I'm not in her shoes. The excuse just feels flimsy. It feels empty. And it just really comes across to me that it really was about the money. Regardless of what you're going to use the money for, it was about the money. Now, the next story, this one's a little silly, but hey, an honest mistake was made. I think anyway. Let's go over a little bit of background. The Grevin Museum in Paris was founded back in 1882, and it resembles the more well-known Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. You know, the, the museum that's got all the wax figurines of celebrities and so forth. Well, this mu museum now contains some 450 characters that are ranged in scenes from the history of France and modern life, including a panorama of French history from Charlemagne to Napoleon III, some pretty bloody scenes of the French Revolution, with original wax figures of the late 19th and early 20th centuries witnessing technological evolution. Now, by contrast, we've got some more contemporary figures of, like, say, movie stars and athletes, international figures. There's got a figurine of Albert Einstein, Mahatma Gandhi. Um, they've got Pablo Picasso. I think there was one of Michael Jackson, Josephine Baker, and even Pope John Paul II. And those are using more modern techniques of modeling. So it was actually pretty cool to see the technique differences from over 100 years ago to compare to now. Oh, they also have a display showing Charlotte Corday murdering Jean-Paul Marat that was created back in 1889. And it includes the actual knife and the bathtub that was used in the murder. For reference, Jean-Paul Marat was a journalist back in the days of the French Revolution, not a very popular guy with some people, so they dispatched Corday to, um, you know, take care of business, and she ended up killing him in his own bathtub. Anywho, so some new wax characters, they're, you know, regularly added to the museum as more people become popular and so on, and now they've got, like, more than 2,000 made since the museum opened. They rotate them out. And its most recent addition, though, it caused a little bit of backlash. If you smell what the rock is cooking. Yep, if you guessed Dwayne the Rock Johnson, you are correct. The Grevin Museum proudly revealed their life-size figurine 
of Dwayne Johnson, wrestler turned actor, earlier this month, but got a really big wave of criticism back. One of the biggest complaints was over the model's skin tone. Fans accused the creator of whitewashing the star who has dual heritage. Johnson himself even joined in on the criticism, requesting a couple of changes. On his official Instagram account, Johnson shared a video from comedian James Andre Jefferson Jr., who is seen poking fun at the statue. Quote, it looks like The Rock is about to be part of the royal family. I'm not going to post the audio here because there's a lot of profanity in the video, but I will go ahead and drop the link so you can see the video and see the pictures. And yeah, okay, I can see the figure does look a little too pale, but it could be due to the intense spotlights washing out the color. And for his part, though, Johnson, he's been a pretty good sport about the whole thing, taking Jefferson's video in stride. But he did also confirm in the caption of the video that he was going to have his team reach out to the museum so they can work on updating the figure with some important details and some improvements, starting with the skin color. Now, the Grevin Museum told Deadline in an email that Johnson was right to flag the issue and that they obviously need to remedy it as quickly as possible and we're planning to send him photos once it was completed. On social media, specifically ex-former Twitter, openly roasted, I mean, the fans, they were roasting this thing. Some said the statue kind of looked more like a Mr. Clean. Others, kind of like myself, uh, think the statue looked more like his Fast and Furious co-star, Vin Diesel. And yeah, I can totally see that, considering they don't have a great relationship, Diesel and Johnson. That could come across as a pretty big insult. But credit to the museum they actually have already confirmed they've been making the corrections and the staff really worked overnight to work on the skin tone and i can tell looking at pictures it's a little bit darker absolutely they confirmed that johnson was going to visit the museum later on to see if there were any other modifications that needed to be made but the statue is back out on display i mean other than the skin tone it's a pretty awesome looking figure i mean there's so much that goes into making wax figures it's a very beautiful art form and huge credit to these museums who can keep these statues from being puddles, honestly. But there is also another form of art I don't think people really consider to be an art form. It's acting. Okay, acting. Some people are like, oh, yeah, you know, it's just it's nothing huge. But it really it does take a lot of skill. But there's another side of acting that is really kind of overlooked and it's stunt doubling. Stunt doubles, my God, they do so much, and we don't realize it. If you have a good production, you can almost never tell when there's a stunt double doing the work of something else. Now, I do recall growing up a big fan of the Golden Girls, and there's one particular episode where the girls are doing a dance competition, and it's time for Rose to get out and do kind of her... I call it kind of more of a solo act because her partner's not doing a whole lot during the scene. But, okay, you've got this beautiful Betty White kind of in an old age. And all of a sudden, her character starts doing cartwheels on the dance floor. And if you really take a close look, you can tell it's a younger lady in the blonde wig. But it was still fun to watch. But then you have movies like Harry Potter. Harry Potter had stunt doubles. I mean, they actually had quite a bit of you know, action scenes. There's one particular guy. I'm going to introduce introduce you to somebody. His name is David Holmes. David was this prodigy-type teenage gymnast from Essex, England. And he was selected to play Daniel Radcliffe's stunt double in the first Harry Potter film when Daniel was just 11 years old. Now, over the next 10 years, these two, they formed a bond. I mean, they worked pretty close together. David had to replicate what Daniel was doing, and Daniel had to follow David's lead, too. But unfortunately, on the set of Deathly Hollows Part 1, David had an accident that no one ever wants to have. He broke his neck performing a stunt, and it was end up, he was paralyzed from the waist down, and he still is. Now, HBO is in the middle of producing an original documentary, and it's titled David Holmes, The Boy Who Lived. And David Radcliffe, has just recently joined as an executive producer 
But he's actually also in the film. He's an interview subject. Makes sense. I mean, this is his stunt double, right? The movie is set to debut in November, and it features pretty candid personal footage that was shot over the last decade. A lot of behind-the-scenes material from David's stunt work, scenes from his current life, and some pretty intimate interviews with David, Daniel, friends, family, and former crew members. Daniel never forgot his stunt double friend when the Harry Potter series was over. And back during the pandemic of 2020, the two actually ended up joining forces and launched what they called the Cunning Stunts podcast, in which they were able to shine a greater light on stunt performers across Hollywood. David Holmes, The Boy Who Lived, will debut on Wednesday, November the 15th on HBO, and it will also be available to stream on Mac. But for UK fans, it will air on Sky Documentaries and the streaming service now on starting the 18th of November. Now, I'm going to take you back to October the 7th. It is official. Frances Bean Cobain, the daughter of grunge legends Courtney Love and Kurt Cobain, and Riley Hawk, the son of skateboarder Tony Hawk and Cindy Dunbar, have officially tied the knot. The two scions of 90s royalty wed in Los Angeles after obtaining a marriage license in San Diego County just last month, and this is according to court documents. The outlet of TMZ reported that REM frontman Michael Stipe, who is Francis's godfather, by the way, officiated the ceremony. That sounds absolutely epic. After taking a year-long break from social media, Francis returned to Instagram back in January of 2022 and shared a carousel of images of moments that she said had brought her a great amount of joy, which included glimpses of her relationship with Riley. Among the series of snaps, Riley could be seen flashing a big smile, holding a a dog dressed in this Christmas-themed costume. It's really, really cute. But in another shot, you can see Francis and Riley cozied up to one another on a boat, while his dad, Tony, and his stepmom, Catherine Goodman, are on the other bench cozied up. I really honestly wish this couple much happiness. This makes my 90s heart so happy. I remember, it wasn't really that long ago, Frances was married before and her divorce got ugly, just ugly. In 2017, her ex-musician, Isaiah Silva, claimed that Frances had given him her late father's prize, Martin D18E acoustic guitar. This is the guitar he played During that 1993 episode of MTV Unplugged, that performance, that was amazing. Silva said it was a gift from Francis. Francis denied that, said, no, I didn't give that to you. But the judge granted Silva the guitar, which was absolutely just devastating to the family. Definitely hoping that won't happen again. Well, now let's download some gaming news. TwitchCon was in Las Vegas this past weekend, and the events were bright, the news was plentiful, and there was much fun to be had. But one of the biggest pieces of news to come out of the con was day one, they started off with a bang. Twitch announced that Twitch streamers will now be able to simulcast on any platform. What does that mean exactly? That means that streaming simultaneously on Twitch as well as other competitors' platforms Kick, YouTube, Facebook. This is a move that's going to help streamers grow their viewership both on and off the platform, even while Twitch is developing some further tools to aid with the growth, like with the recent Discovery Feed and the stories that they just recently implemented. Now, there is a little bit of a downside. Streamers that have an exclusivity agreement with Twitch are not going to be able to simulcast. However, an FAQ for the update does note that if a partnered streamer left for another service, they can reapply for the partner program. The announcement was made literally at the opening ceremony for TwitchCon Las Vegas. They did have some other announcements, including a change of name for Guest Star, which is a feature that allows streamers to invite others on screen. Now it has a focus on streamer-to-streamer collaboration, and they renamed it to Stream Together. Stream Together is going to show the combined viewership of all the streamers that are collaborating. In addition, it's going to expand to add a favorites list. There's going to be like a do not disturb option. 
and the ability to merge chats into one. Those are actually some pretty cool changes. The streamers pretty are, are pretty hyped about it. So I'm really exciting, excited. I want to see who's going to take advantage of these new features. I do tend to watch a lot of streamers that I believe are exclusivity partnered. So I don't know how much of the simulcasting I'm going to be able to see until I start branching out to some other people, which, you know, I try to frequently do anyway. You know, give some of these, these lower streamers some good numbers, right? Interestingly enough, though, one of the biggest features of TwitchCon was not the news that came out, but actually the CEO, guy by the name of Dan Clancy. Uh, one guy, just for visual, if you've never seen this guy, he does kind of look a little bit like Willie Nelson. Dude's walking around, long, whitish hair, mustache, floppy hat, really cool, chill vibe coming off this guy. He's a very interesting character, and he was honestly all over the place. He had, you know, have you seen those people that wear these, what, what they call the IRL setups, the in real life setups? And it's literally like a backpack with a harness. And then they got their, their cameras sticking out in front of their face as they're, they're recording as they're walking. He's literally live streaming his visits to the convention floor. Now, back on the 20th, which was Friday, the opening day, a kick, yeah, I said kick, kick streamer was there. His name was Vinny B. He went viral on social media after he had an unexpected encounter with Dan Clancy. So here's Vinny B. He's broadcasting from TwitchCon 2023, Las Vegas, Nevada. He's conversing with his audience, and he asked them whether he should live stream the convention from Twitch or should he go and stay active on Kick. Now, Vinny B then noticed a familiar figure passing by and realized it's none other than Dan. And he immediately approached the executive, like, dude, literally, Kick streamer literally went up to the Twitch CEO. And he jokingly delivered some bad news saying um, that he was broadcasting on the Twitch competitor. So, okay, so credit to Vinny B. He told Dan, yeah, I'm streaming on Twitch right now. Or, I'm not streaming on Twitch. I'm on Kick. Well, here comes Dan responding with this pretty wholesome message. And he said, uh-oh, hey, that's your choice, you know, whatever you decide to do. Hold the phone. And after he said that, Vinny B., he looks pretty visibly taken aback by this unexpected interaction. He did not expect that kind of answer from Dan. Now, unfortunately, I couldn't get a good clear audio uh, cut from the video. There's a lot of convention noise, so I'm going to go ahead and drop the link if you want to see the interaction because it's honestly really, really wholesome. Vinny's clip did go viral, and it was amongst one of the top posts of the uh, Reddit thread called Livestream Fails subreddit, and it had amassed like hundreds of upvotes. One Redditor expressed their amusement that Dan Clancy is an active streamer as well as the CEO. Seriously? Now, speaking of that, October 21st, very next day, still at TwitchCon, Dan Clancy shares on his Twitter X account that he had not been accepted by his own company to join their partnership program. He stated in the tweet, for anyone that got denied being a partner from Twitch, don't feel so bad. I just got my partner application denied. Did not tell anyone I was applying. He goes by the name DJ Clancy on Twitch. A little bit of promotion there. And so the screenshot details the email that he received providing the reasons why he didn't get accepted. It goes on to say, thank you for applying to the partnership program. Completing the path to partnership achievement is a great milestone to reach. However, we cannot offer you a partnership at this time. Now, interestingly, the reason given by the partnership team points just due to his lack of viewership. They said that the recent viewership had been fluctuating significantly recently, and they're looking for consistency rather than, you know, the occasional spikes in viewership. Despite his pretty busy schedule at Twitch, Clancy has been known to stream when he can. He will live stream to provide further updates on Twitch. He'll answer viewer questions about the broadcasting service and He's getting a lot of positive feedback. People are loving this level of transparency. And I guess it's, it's kind of more of a uh, reachability. Like they, they feel like they have access to the CEO of Twitch in a way they never have before. You know, by the CEO actively using the platform that he's the CEO of. Who to thunk it, right? Aside from this, I mean, viewers are impressed by the fact that he has some pretty serious musical abilities with various instruments and he does not hesitate 
to use them on his stream. Pretty cool guy, Dan. I, I actually really need to go check out his stream soon. He sounds like one really cool dude that I'd like to hang out with. But you know what really doesn't sound cool? Let me introduce you to Skull Island, Rise of Kong. Skull Island Rise of Kong was released just last week, and it was quickly listed as one of the worst games of 2023. Didn't even know this movie that this game was coming out, actually. Well, what happened? A new report is claiming it was made by a very small team of developers on a very tight budget in just one year, putting the studio in this situation where making something good quickly and cheaply, not possible. This game looks just visually very bad. Considering this year we've already had to deal with Gollum, the release of Gollum, and that was considered to be the worst looking game this year. That really is saying something. This one looks pretty rudimentary. So honestly, this was announced earlier this summer. And it's the first King Kong game in nearly two decades. The last game featuring the famous giant ape was back in 2005 with Peter Jackson's King Kong, the official game of the movie. That was developed by Ubisoft. But since then, folks have really just been waiting for another King Kong game. And October the 17th, we finally got one. But sadly, uh, Skull Island is just this really bland, beat em up awful cutscene, nasty visuals, not much else going on. All right, why is this game so bad? What really happened? You can blame Skull Island's publisher for this one. A report that was put out by The Verge says developers from Iguana Bee say the game was made in one year from scratch. Very little funding. One anonymous source from Iguana Bee said the development process of this game was started in June of 2022, and it was aimed to end on June the 2nd of this year. Other sources say the game was made from scratch. They had only 20 developers working on it at a time. One former Iguanabee employee who didn't work on Skull Island, but worked on other games that were published by Game Mill, said it was very common for the team to be provided with very limited information on these projects, meaning they had to improvise quite a bit. The same source that Game Mill didn't provide enough funding to retain senior developers. So we have these sources now saying Iguanabee's relationship with the publisher is just really this love-hate relationship. The studio's relying on funding to make these games, and they can't do their own project. Well, Iguanabee developers crunched from February onwards to get this game in just the best state they could possibly do it before it shipped out. One source who worked on Skull Island said, I was on autopilot from by the end of February because, honestly, all hope was lost. Looking at Game Mill's portfolio of published games, this company has a pattern of licensing games for these huge franchises, and then they'll have these small studios develop them. Their most popular game is Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. It was made by Ludosity and Fairplay Labs. And at the time, it looked like they had a combined headcount of 30 employees total. That's not just programmers. That's people total. The sequel, it, for this game, it recently in delayed status, it, but it's in development by the same two studios. They're still working with at least these 30 people. But to be honest, I've never actually looked up how many programmers, how many people does it really take to make a game? I've heard of these indie developers that can do two to three, you know, people staffs and put out a good game. I mean, go look at Stardew Valley. Really, it's just one guy putting it out. But like, say, Diablo 4. How many people worked on Diablo 4? 9,167 people were credited for the making of Diablo 4. It was actually a record. Is 8,692 developers and 475 people that were thanked. So that's a lot of developers. And to, to look at, you've got this big named game in King Kong that you're only getting 30 people to, I mean, was it 30 people? Yeah, 20 people. I'm sorry. 20 people for King Kong, 30 for Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. That's not a lot of people at all. And the fact that they're not putting out a lot of money 
And so these guys are trying to do the best they can with what they've got. That's just, it's pretty shameful. And a lot of people started making fun of the the name of the publisher. So Iguana Bee developed this game. This is a small-time studio in, I believe it was in Santiago, Chile. And here you have the publisher Game Mill. That name is just being bashed all to pieces right now because it just makes it sound like they're just pumping out games without knowing what the heck they're doing. Um, I really kind of feel bad for the people at Iguana Bee. I mean, props to them for doing the best they could under the circumstances with the staff that they have. But it sounds like they did lose a lot of people too uh, with the pressure of putting out a game in under a year and this game is just getting panned all to pieces. I don't know if they're going to continue working on it or if they're just going to go ahead and abandon it and work on the next uh, property. But it may be in a, a long time before we see another good, good King Kong game. But now let's take a look. It is spooky season, everyone. And it's no secret. Studios love to put out these appropriately themed events and decor in their games. Ghosts and goblins and vampires just all over the place. And I remember last Halloween... I was watching marathons of Phasmophobia. Fantastic game, by the way. Great time of year to be watching it. But there's one game that's going just a little further this year with their festivities. And I'm looking at you, Diablo 4. They want their fans to bleed for this game. Wait, what? I know. No, no, I'm serious. So the Demon Dungeon Crawler announced back on October the 20th that for the next month, players can donate their actual blood in exchange for in-game items and, ultimately, the chance to win a liquid-cooled PC infused with more human blood. Hmm. Well, this event is called the Blood Harvest, and developer Blizzard said in its reveal post, it coincides with the Diablo 4 Season of Blood update. Up until November the 20th, U.S. residents over the age of 18 are able to log in to any blood center donations that they make on the official Blood Harvest website. Blizzard wrote in the post, our goal is to harvest a total of 666 quarts of blood, and donors will receive in-game items based on collective effort as the puddle of blood tints the nation. Crimson-coated cosmetics will be unlocked upon hitting 33%, 66%, and 100% of the goal. And that includes several weapons cosmetics at 33%, a red-eyed dappled horse mount at 100%. Now, those who are not eligible for blood donations or those who live overseas can otherwise reap some in-game benefits as the goal is progressed. Now, I checked. They're currently at 49% of their goal. It's only been seven days. Now, additionally, any adult in the U.S., regardless of donation status, will be able to enter the Blood Harvest Grand Prize Sweepstakes, a liquid-cooled PC infused with the, quote, real human blood. All right, practically... It's just going to consist of the NVIDIA GeForce RTX 4090 and an Intel Core i9 CPU. You'll be able to enter to win one of these custom-built PCs once Blizzard collects the 666 quarts. Blood Harvest has this ghoulish quality to it, mainly because it's being orchestrated by Blizzard. But there's an ongoing and serious blood shortage in the U.S., and this is according to the Red Cross. So... It's all in good fun for a really good cause. Good luck out there to all those that are going to enter the sweepstakes once they hit the 100%. In what, a week? But on that note, it's now time to say goodbye to a friend. Burt Young, the Oscar-nominated actor who played Polly, the rough, mumbling, and grumbling best friend, corner man, and brother-in-law to Sylvester Stallone in the Rocky franchise has passed away. Young died on October the 8th in Los Angeles, according to his daughter. She told the New York Times there was no cause given, but he was 83 years old. Young had roles in all these acclaimed films and television shows, including Chinatown, Once Upon a Time in America, and even The Sopranos. But he was always just best known for playing Polly in six Rocky movies. The short, paunchy, balding young was just the sort of actor who always seemed to play a middle-aged guy no matter what his age actually was. When Polly first appeared in the 1976 Rocky, he was this angry, foul-mouthed meatpacker who was just absolutely abusive to his sister Adrian, played by Talia Shire. 
and he shared an apartment with her in Philadelphia. He just absolutely berates her. She's this shy, meek woman who just refuses to go on this date with his friend and coworker Rocky Balboa and even destroys the turkey she has in the oven. This film, though, it became such a phenomenon, and it topped the box office for the year and made a lead, uh, the, the star out of the lead actor and writer Stallone. He ended up paying a tribute to Young on Instagram. Along with a photo of the two of them on the set of the first film, Stallone wrote, You were an incredible man and an artist. I and the world will miss you very much. Rocky was nominated for 10 Oscars, including Best Supporting Actor for Young. It ended up winning three, including Best Picture. Young and co-star Burgess Meredith, who was also nominated, ended up losing out to Jason Robards in All the President's Men. But as the movies went on, Young's Pauly character softened up, and the sequels themselves did as well. He really just became the comic relief. In the 1985 Rocky IV, he ended up reprogramming a, ro- a robot that Rocky gave him into this sexy-voiced servant who dotes on him. And you know which one I'm talking about. That was so weird to watch. Thanks, honey. You're welcome. It's a nice song. It's my favorite. You're the greatest. See you, sport. That's actually a pretty nice little send-off there. See you, sport. You will be missed, Mr. Young. Well, speaking of movies, let's go see how the box office did last weekend. It's time box office breakdown last week the swifties took over the box office but we had a couple of new releases so were they able to hold on well indeed they did the Taylor Swift Eras Tour took number one for the second weekend in a row, with $33.2 million at the domestic box office, bringing their total to just under $132 million. Martin Scorsese's Killer of the Flower Moon opened in second this weekend with $23 million. This is actually the largest box office opening for Scorsese since the $41.4 million opening for Shutter Island back in February of 2010. Ironically, both of these movies star Leonardo DiCaprio. Exorcist the Believer, which is the horror sequel directed by David Gordon Green, came in a distant third with $5.6 million in its third weekend of release. The Universal Blumhouse film has grossed $54.2 million domestically. Paw Patrol the Mighty Movie came in at number four with $4.5 million in its fourth weekend. In the fifth spot? went to the re-release of Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, which collected $4.1 million 30 years after it first landed in theaters. But now for this coming weekend, the box office is eyeballing the new release that's coming out, Five Nights at Freddy's, the movie adaptation of the video game about a bunch of terrifying animatronic pizza joint robots who routinely kill children. It's like, you know, Chuck E. Cheese, but with bears. And I didn't get any tokens. Where are the tokens? Pre-sales for this movie have it already at an estimated $65 million to $85 million for just the opening weekend. I looked at the preview. It looks pretty terrifying. The, movie, the game itself was pretty terrifying. Appropriate to release it right before Halloween, in my opinion. I think this one's going to be a pretty big release for Blumhouse. We'll let you know how that release goes next week. So now let's take a look and see what odd news were we able to find. And now for something different. In this day and age, some people will do just about anything to get out of paying a bill for dinner. And there's a Lithuanian man who was arrested in Spain after allegedly faking heart attacks at 20 different restaurants around the country in order to avoid paying his bill. The unnamed 50-year-old man, yeah, I said 50, reportedly scammed at least 20 eateries, the majority of them um, over in Spain's Costa Blanca region, and he's doing it by theatrically faking heart attacks. He'll order food and drinks, and then he'll put on this just this outrageous performance, clutch his chest, pretend, pretend to faint on the floor, and the scam was working like a charm. 
until one establishment saw right through the act and started other just shared his photo to these other local restaurants, warning them not to fall for the heart attack routine. Uh-oh. Last month, this unnamed Lithuanian man was at the El Buen Comer, a restaurant in Alicante. And he's enjoying some seafood paella, and he's got a few shots of whiskey when the staff brought him the bill for 34.85 euros, which turns out to be $37 American. And when the waiter left the table, dude just got up. He tried to leave, but he was stopped and told that he still had to pay the bill. Visibly upset, the scammer said he was going to go get the money from his hotel, and the staff still didn't let him leave. But it was at this point he decided to start faking the heart attack. The manager of El Buen Comer said it was very theatrical. He pretended to faint, slumped himself down to the floor. We've sent this photo around to all the restaurants to try to stop him from striking again. So the staff didn't fall for it, and instead of calling an ambulance, they called the police. Officers showed up, and this seemingly ill man called for medical assistance, but what he didn't realize was that the police already recognized him from run-ins at other restaurants in Alicante. According to the Spanish media, this 50-year-old is already somewhat notorious among restaurant owners in Costa Blanca. He was first spotted in Alicante in November of 22, and he's since become famous for this heart attack routine. He gets away with skipping the bill most of the time, but it just doesn't seem to bother him if the police actually get involved. He always seems to smile when he sees them, probably because he knows there's not a lot they can do to stop him. And he doesn't mind spending a night or two in jail before resuming his scam. After having tricked dozens of restaurateurs with this fake heart attack thing, the scammer actually may be facing his biggest challenge, though. Because the bills that he usually tries to skip out on are pretty small, I mean, we're talking tens of euros, really, his crimes are considered to be minor. So the repercussions are reflecting that, you know, a night in jail. Most of the time, one night, and he's cool with it, but... There are quite a few restaurant owners that are planning to team up and they're going to file a joint complaint that could actually land him in jail for up to two years if the complaint is filed and he's found guilty. At least he won't have to fake any heart attacks to get his food in jail. Now, how do you go about making the best of a bad situation? Imagine this. You're in Paris. You and your partner, you're taking in the sight. And you're standing on the Eiffel Tower when all of a sudden some dude decides he wants to be Spider-Man and starts climbing the tower. He gets arrested, but visitors like yourself are temporarily stranded at the summit, including a reporter for the Associated Press and this Washington, D.C. couple. Tourist Amir Khan had been planning to propose to his partner, Kat Warren, later in a Parisian garden away from the crowds with a romantic dinner planned afterwards. But when the lifts were temporarily shut down on the tower because of this climber, they were stranded with others at the top. And Khan decided, what better time than now, and decided to spring his surprise proposal. I know, right? Opportunity? It knocked. Now, also stuck up on the Eiffel Tower was a guy by the name of Paul Eaton Robb, an AP journalist from Connecticut and decided, you know what, this actually makes a great story. So Khan told the reporter, I figured we might be here longer than I imagined, and I didn't want to miss dinner. She's always wanted to be proposed to on or under the Eiffel Tower, so I figured, this is it, this is the moment. But the question is, what did she say? Well, of course, she said yes, otherwise I wouldn't be telling this story. Warren said laughing, he had a pretty good chance of me saying yes all along. Besides, when you're trapped on top of a 1,083-foot tower, how could you really say no? The climber was found between the tower's second and third floors. A specialist team of climbing firefighters led the man down, and police arrested him. And he's been banned from the tower, and according to reports, he was carrying a banner about American singer-songwriter Billie Eilish. The sign allegedly read, Billy Eilish. Not really sure what that was supposed to mean, but that was the message. Now, the AP reporter Eaton Rob and his wife Kathleen have actually had a couple of other misadventures during their week-long visit to Paris. Back on the 17th of October, they were also in the crowd that was evacuated from the Palace of Versailles because of a security scare. 
Might want to rethink your, your vacation plans next time, guys. But at least you got a good story out of it. So this is Rihanna's world, and we're just living in it. We had T.O. getting hit by a car, a cancer scammer who got punished, new Harry Potter project, Hollywood royalty got married, TwitchCon had a few announcements, Blizzard's out for your blood, and we had some stranded Americans get engaged in Paris. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I do want to remind you that I include the links to all of my sources in the comments so you can see what I see and more. Also, don't forget to drop us a comment or send us an email if there's a story you want us to cover. Join us next time as we check out the latest in entertainment news. Remember guys, stay comfy in the starter zone. This is Amanda. Good luck and have fun out there. Listening to The Starter Zone with Amanda. I am Raven. We thank you for your time and support. Without you, we simply would not be. Please hit that like and subscribe button and visit us on Facebook and Twitter at The Starter Zone. Have we missed something? Have something to say? Leave us a comment or send us audio clips for your chance to be on the show. We invite you to come back for more exciting news and commentary on the world around you. See you next time in The Starter Zone.